India. He holds the degree of Geshe Larampa, which is the highest degree that one can achieve in the Tibetan Buddhist Galup tradition, uh, and is recognized by all the greatest scholars alive of all of the traditions of Buddhism, of the Nyingma Kaju Sakya and Galupa, as one of the greatest living scholars of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. So, needless to say, we're very fortunate, and it's a very rare opportunity to hear profound, pure teachings from a qualified master uh, in a world where... Uh, Qualified is not the norm. Uh, so it, you could travel all over the world, go to India and Tibet, and to find a teacher of this caliber is almost impossible, having been in those places myself, not Tibet, but India and Nepal. Um, so I just hope we can all rejoice in this rare opportunity that we have today to hear teachings from uh, someone who heard them in a pure, untarnished format in a lineage that's directly from Buddhist Shakyamuni. And, and it's an unbroken lineage. Uh, and that's another rare aspect of the teachings that we're about to hear. My name is Jeff. I'm the translator. Rinpoche is going to continue his discussion uh, on uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment. Um, this is a commentary on <coughs> for the path to enlightenment. And before the teaching begins, uh, we have some introductory prayers. Uh, so if you turn to the last eight pages of the prayer book, uh, you'll find a tabbed-off section that says prayers for teachings. And on one side of it is the Buddha of Compassion, and on the other side of it you'll find the Heart Sutra. Uh, so uh, everybody can turn to that. Uh, that's where we will get started, and I'll explain the order of events. Uh, just a quick thing I forgot. Rinpoche ended up here with us because he was sent to <coughs> the United States by His Holiness Lama <coughs> to be the uh, head of the North American seat in Ithaca, uh, next to Cornell, and then given permission by the Dalai Lama to retire here. So uh, that was one part of his uh, journey that I neglected to mention. So uh, again, just really want to rejoice in the fact that Rinpoche is here with us. So going back to the prayers, we find the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Uh, we begin with that. We read that prayer in its entirety, including the uh, title at the top and the Sanskrit mantra that's about you know three-quarters of the way down. Uh, next page, you'll find some Tibetan transliteration and English translation. We do just the Tibetan transliteration that's lib, uh, led by Rinpoche. And in the center, there's some Sanskrit mantras. We do those mantras, but that first mantra we do silently to ourselves as many times as Rinpoche does. So it doesn't have to be 21 times. That's uh, 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 so omit, it, omit that part. Next page, outer mandala offering we do in, pre, uh, in Tibetan and in English, so uh, both the English at the top and then the uh, Tibetan at the bottom, and then the Sanskrit mantra and its translation at the bottom as well. And that all goes in the order that you see it. Uh, and then the prayer of refuge in Bodhicitta, and that prayer is led by Rinpoche, and we do it three <coughs> times just in the Tibetan translation. Uh, so that will uh, is how we begin the teaching. And then after the teaching is over, we do some concluding prayers, and they are the prayers that are directly after the prayer of refuge in Bodhicitta. Um, so the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer, Samantabhadra dedication, long life prayer for His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and then the long life prayer for Rinpoche. So uh, all those prayers will only be done in English. Uh, so that will be the order of events for today's teaching, and uh, thank you everybody for coming, everybody who's been here before, and anyone who's new. And uh, let's get started with the uh, Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Uh, just before we uh, get started, does any are these questions that somebody has submitted? Anybody know about these over here? 
Okay. Just wanted to make sure this. I'll look at them after class. I just wanted to make sure there was no expectation of a translation of some questions. Uh, so let's get started with the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. The Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriya at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called Profound Illumination, and at the same time, Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the Profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way. He saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. And through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra is said to Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the Profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, Noble the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita, should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form, and emptiness is no other than form. Form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics, there is no birth and no cessation, there is no impurity and no purity, there is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye, datu, up to no mind, datu, no datu of dharmas, mind consciousness, datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Teyata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. Thus, Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that Samadhi and praised Noble Avukadeshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One attacked this Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avukadeshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. Oh, <laughs> 
So again, we will be looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. And this text is a commentary on Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment contains all of the teachings that uh, the Lord Buddha gave. We find all of the teachings that are contained in the Kangjur, uh, the actual pronouncements of Lord Buddha, and then all of the teachings that are contained in the, the Tengjur, the authentic Indian commentary. So uh, Tisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment summarizes all of the teachings found in those uh, two categories of scriptures. Um, so in the beginning of Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, it states that understands that there are persons of three capacities, small, middling, and, and great. I shall write clearly, clearly dis identifying their distinguishing characteristics, or I shall clearly define what these three <coughs> are. Uh, so in the beginning of Atisha's Lamp, he's talking about uh, the teachings uh, which are the stage of the path uh, that are shared in common with beings of small capacity, uh, the stages of the path that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and then those stages of the path for beings of great capacity. So the stages of the path that are shared in common with beings of small capacity are those stages that lead to the higher realms of rebirth. 
The stages of the path uh, that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity are those teachings which lead one to nirvana or liberation. Uh, and then the stage of the path for beings of great capacity are those paths that lead to uh, complete Buddhahood. Uh, so this, uh, um, um, all of these uh, pathways, uh, these three uh, pathways, or, or these three different pathways are really a summary of all of the Buddhist teachings. So there are commentaries on the Tisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment that we can find in all of the uh, traditions of Tibetan Buddhism. We can find commentaries in the Nyingma, Kagju, and Sakya tradition. But in the uh, um, Galupa tradition, uh, this is one commentary, and uh, this commentary was written by Lama Tsongkhapa. Uh, and it's a, uh, among a category of teachings uh, that are called the Stages of the Path to Enlightenment teachings, which are all commentaries on Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. And this text, the great treatise on the Stages of the Path to Enlightenment, is the most extensive explanation of those stages of the path. Uh, the other uh, texts uh, uh, um, become smaller and smaller and more summarized as they do so. So the next uh, um, text is called The Medium Stage of the Path uh, to Enlightenment, and that commentary has about 200 pages or so. Uh, and then there's the uh, abbreviated stages of the Path to Enlightenment, or the Lamrim Dudan, which is an even smaller, more summarized uh, explanation of, those, uh, um, of the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. And then the most summarized uh, um, texts or the category uh, that is the mo are the texts that are the uh, uh, most summarized are such texts uh, Lama Tsongkhapa wrote uh, as the foundation of all good qualities, the source of all my good, or the three principal paths. So all of these texts categorically fall under uh, those texts which Lama Tsongkhapa wrote, uh, which are commentaries on Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, the great treatise on the stage of the Path to Enlightenment being the most extensive text on that subject matter. What <laughs> So this text, uh, the Great Treatise on the Stages of the Path to Enlightenment, uh, which is the most extensive commentary on Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, begins with a, an outline, and there are four categories that we find. We find one uh, first category being the greatness of the teaching's author, and here we find the liberation life story of Lord Atisha. The next category is the greatness of the teaching itself. Uh, and then there are four sections, uh, um, or four greatnesses, uh, about the teaching itself. At first, it allows one to see that all the teachings are free of contradiction. Uh, the second is that it allows one to see that all of the teachings are instructions to be practiced. Uh, the third, it allows one to easily understand the conqueror's intent, or the pith 
the essence or the meaning of the conqueror's uh, scriptures. Uh, and then the fourth is it allows one to automatically refrain from the great wrongdoing. Uh, so these are the uh, four uh, categories within the section, second section, uh, which refer to the four greatnesses of the teaching. The next section is the, greatness, uh, the great way to listen to and explain the teaching. Uh, and this shows uh, how one, or the great way, that one would listen to a teaching. Uh, and then the proper way or the great way to actually give the instruction, how to give the teaching itself. Um, so how to listen to and explain the teachings is the chapter name in the English, uh, and that is uh, really the great way to listen to and explain the teachings. And then the fourth category is how to lead students through the actual stages of the path, uh, and that's where we've actually left, uh, excuse me, where we've actually left off. The last section, the uh, how to lead students through the actual instructions, uh, has two separate categories. The first is how to rely upon the teacher that is the root of the path. Um, and then the next section is after one has relied upon uh, the teacher, um, uh, how to apply the stages of the path. So, the, so once there is this basis of the reliance upon the teacher, uh, then how one proceeds, what the stages of, of the path are. So uh, now we're at the chapter called The Human Life of Leisure and Opportunity. In Tibetan it's on page 77, and in English it's on page 117. <coughs> The Nipa. Okay. Um, so then in this section we find uh, two categories. The stages of how the students train their minds are, it has two parts. So the first category is an exhortation to take full advantage of a life of leisure and opportunity. Um, and in that section we find the life of leisure where we find the eight leisures uh, and then opportunity where there are ten opportunities or sometimes called ten endowments. Uh, so we find uh, in that section the identification of leisure and opportunity, those two categories, and that's under the exhortation uh, to take advantage of that life of leisure and opportunity. And then the next section is how to take full advantage of the life of leisure and opportunity. And that section shows how to apply the stages of the path and, and, and how one uh, um, proceeds or, uh, from uh, that place of, of uh, um, um, understanding. That 
Um, we have to ask, what is the method, what is the cause of a favorable condition, or a, a, con a state of leisure, uh, rather? Um, what causes it? Um, how does one, what is the method to achieve a basis from which one can practice religion, a basis which is a basis of leisure? Uh, and here it says that ethical discipline uh, becomes the cause uh, that allows one to eliminate the leisureless states, and w uh, one of those states being life as an animal. So here, uh, one of the leisure, leisureless states is uh, um, being shown, uh, and here the um, um, other uh, eight are inferred, um, other seven rather are inferred. So here it's stating that ethical discipline really serves as the first cause for one to achieve a state of leisure. So it's an understanding of degrees of karma. Uh, when we look at uh, ethical behavior or virtue, and, and then we look at the opposite, misdeeds or non-virtue, uh, we create those types of actions, whether they be are virtuous or non-virtuous, through uh, our body, speech, uh, and mind. Um, and if uh, each of those actions, uh, whether they are virtuous or non-virtuous, have degrees of completion. Um, and if one engages in the greatest degree of virtue, this produces rebirth into the um, God's realm. If one engages in a medium degree of virtue, this creates or produces rebirth into the demigod's realm. And a small degree of virtue produces rebirth into the human realm. Uh, then if we look at the opposite, the same holds true, that the greatest degree of non-virtue uh, um, produces rebirth in the hell realm, a medium degree of non-virtue produces rebirth in the hungry ghost realm, and a small degree of non-virtue produces rebirth into the uh, animal realm. Uh, so we create action through our body, speech, and mind. Those actions can be virtuous or non-virtuous, and their results depend upon the degree of completion of the action itself. What's uh, if one has this uh, state of leisure, this basis from which one can practice religion, uh, it also means that uh, he or she has a basis from which it's possible to practice um, uh, um, um, any among the religions, not uh, just speaking of Buddhism. Yes, one can, uh, if one has this life of leisure, Buddhism can be practiced, but uh, so can Hinduism and so can Christianity. Uh, if one wants to study science from this basis, uh, of this basis of leisure, one can study science, uh, one can go to school, 
uh, airplanes are created, trains are created, all of these are created because of the ability uh, that one has uh, if he or she has this basis. Uh, so this basis is a very able basis and from it we can do all of these things including uh, um, uh, but not ex uh, um, isolated, not uh, exclusive to uh, Buddhism. So, because of the ability of this human basis, um, we can um, engage in the practices which lead to the higher realms. We can engage in, in the stage of the path that lead to liberation or nirvana. We can engage in, engage in the stage of the path that lead to Buddhahood. Uh, and if we look at uh, a non- Dharma um, topics. We can do really anything that we uh, wish to uh, that um, because of the great ability um, of uh, this human basis in the mind that we uh, possess. So because this human basis is um, has so, mu uh, so much ability, uh, we can also use it uh, for great amounts of harm or great amounts of negativity as well um, because of the abilities that we have. But likewise, we can use it for as a basis from which to create great amounts of virtue. <laughs> Robatawanze so the eight leisureless states can be found in Nagarjuna's friendly letter, and this is a letter of advice that was written to uh, the King Dishya Sampo. Uh, um, uh, and here uh, there's a stanza quoted. It says, To be reborn with wrong views, or without a conqueror's word, or as an animal, a hungry ghost, a hell being, an uncultured person in a border region, a stupid and mute person, or a deity of long life, is to be afflicted by one of the eight faults that are conditions which lack leisure. After you have attained leisure, which is freedom from these, strive to end birth. Uh, so here, 
this is uh, um, naming all of the eight states that are leisureless states. So the first is the uh, state of um, being born with wrong views. <coughs> wrong views is our uh, views such as the disbelief in karma and its consequences, uh, believing there is uh, there are no uh, jewels, three jewels that are uh, the Dharma Sangha jewel. Uh, um, uh, um, so. Wrong views are referring to those views which are against the truth. Um, so, and and those were those two were examples. And then it says, uh, um, uh, or without the conqueror's word. So, uh, being born where the um, uh, conqueror or Buddha's word isn't present. So the the teachings aren't present. The Buddha's uh, um, pronouncements aren't present. So, being born somewhere where there isn't that, uh, or as an animal, a hungry ghost, or a hell being. Uh, and this is referring to the three lower realms of cyclic existence. Uh, so here we have a total of five. And then it says an uncultured uh, person in a border region, or sometimes translated as a, a bar, uh, non-religious <coughs> uh, barbaric land, um, uh, um, uh, or barbarian sometimes it's translated. Uh, and then a stupid, uh, a mute person, uh, or a deity of long life. So these are the eight... Um, uh, situations which lack leisure, um, and sometimes that um, uh, stupid or mute are, is translated as um, uh, uh, demented or mute. Uh, so it's a, something wrong with the mind. Uh, so uh, that's what that word here, translated as stupid, is referring to. Uh, sometimes translated as other in other ways. Uh, so those are the eight states from which religious practice isn't uh, possible. Lambert and
so here it speaks of uh, an uncultured person in a border region or a barbaric land, uh, irreligious land. Um, so uh, that's what it's referring to here. And then it says stupid or mute person. Lem stupid, the word, uh, is referring to a mind that is, is not well or is uh, limba, is, is uh, uh, um, disrupted mind, demented mind. Um, and then mute, referring to one who's unable to speak or talk. Uh, so a demented mind and, and one who can't talk uh, would be a basis from which uh, there is um, not um, uh, potential for religious practice. And then it says there's a long-life deity. And then there are different explanations of what long-life deity is referring to. Um, some texts state that it's referring to deities of the formless realm. Uh, then others say form realm deities, and say it's referring to desire realm, uh, long life uh, deities of the desire realm. Um, so any among those explanations are, are really fine, because they would all be long life deities, uh, or long life gods, and all be examples of basises from which one can't practice uh, religion. Um, so any of those explanations would be fine, because they would all be leisureless uh, states that are being explained. And it says, after you have attained leisure, which is freedom from these, strive to end uh, birth. And here Rinpoche is saying that this is really speaking of strive to end rebirth in the leisureless states. Um, and uh, if one strives to end birth in the leisureless states, one will strive to end birth altogether. Uh, birth, uh, the suffering of birth, aging, sickness, and death, and all of these things which are results of uh, um, uh, leisureless states... Um, um, uh, will be ended. So here it's saying strive to end birth in, in these states so that we can, one can strive to end uh, suffering birth altogether. So what is the method for uh, ending the birth of a leisureless uh, state, or ending the birth into a leisure a state which lacks leisure? Uh, and here the method is reliance upon the ethics, uh, um, and the three types of ethics. So through relying upon um, ethical behavior, uh, one is able to um, uh, achieve a state uh, of leisure. So this is the, uh, according to this friendly letter, um, uh, the, the ethical um, behavior is the basis from which uh, uh, one ends leisureless states. Mm-hmm. 
It says, with uh, the three of these eight, you are unable to know what to adopt and what to cast aside. Being born in a border region in which the four types of followers, so this is born in a barbaric land, uh, that's what it's referring to, the one up here, uh, uncultured person in a border region. Being born in a border region, and it qualifies what a border, border region is, it says, uh, in which the four types of followers, fully ordained monks and nuns, novice monks and nuns, are not active. Uh, so this is what qualifies the place as uh, this border region, uncultured person in a border region, a place where uh, the two types of ordination, ordained persons, are not um, active. And then it says being mute or stupid and having incomplete sensory faculties. Here this is referring to having a problem with one's mind, which inhibits one, uh, and, all, and then the next is a problem with being able to speak, which inhibits one. Um, and then it says this makes up for incomplete sensory faculties, and it says which means incomplete limbs, ears, and so on. And then it says, and lacking the conqueror's word, uh, so a place where the, the word of the Buddha, the pronouncements of uh, the Buddha ha um, are not present. Um, it says meaning born where a Buddha has not arisen. Um, so that's the meaning of that. If you have a wrong view which misconceives the three jewels, karma and its effects, and former and future lives as non-existent, you do not believe in the sublime teachings. You have great difficulty in developing a religious attitude if you are born in any of the three uh, uh, miserable realms, and even if you do develop a little bit, you will be unable to practice because you will be tormented by suffering. So here, it's saying that um, uh, in, in these 
uh, in three of these, uh, um, um, the border region um, uh, where the Buddha has not uh, uh, arisen, the Sungare Rinpoche, で、ガレパンが死ぬまで、そうガレ。だ、たまにと、たま、たまにでは、こんな順番に言うとこだ。ね。ね、こだ。あら、な、なわらず、おばまさんは。オッケー。にじ。あのじ、じばでまるじばじ
uh, where even if one can make a little bit of progress, <laughs> that progress will be very small because of the great amount of suffering that one has to endure in any of those realms. So here it says, you will have great difficulty in developing a religious attitude if you are born in any of the three miserable realms. And even if you do develop a little bit, you'll be unable to practice because you will be tormented by suffering. So uh, this is why it's not a basis of leisure if you're born in any among the lower realms because of the uh, lack of potential. ตาชิดินเดบอลโกซูชิดินเดบอลโกซูอันดูเชเมบอบาตันซูเมญีลาชิดินชิดินเดบอลโกซูอันเนนดูเชเมบอบาตันเนซูเมซูเมญีลาเ
a land of the fourth meditative stabilization. Uh, this area is set off uh, from the rest of the great fruit in the way that a monastery is set off from a lay settlement. Uh, even more, these deities have inactive minds and mental processes except for the time immediately following birth and, uh, um, and during death. Finally, they live for many great in, uh, eons. Um, so here, uh, there are different uh, opinions uh, as to what long-life deity is referring to, whether it's a, a formless realm being who is a, a, lacks discrimination, or it's a desire realm being, or if it's a uh, being abiding in the fourth meditative stabilization in the area of great fruit. So there's different opinions. Uh, as, uh, but all would be considered leisureless states because they're states from which the, they're not basis to, to practice religion. The Tambo Mahamati, the Pigne Shime, Yene the Sheching Delba, the Zume Kelemba Mahamati, then Nipa Kelemba Dola, the Lupon Litinje. で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、
Okay, okay. So it looks like the um, the Basu Bandhu asserts that the first assertion is Mahamati, who asserts that it's a formless realm deity uh, who lacks discrimination, and then it speaks of Ashvagosha, But it looks like Rimshe is saying that Basu Bandhu asserts that it's activities of the desire realm gods, um, and then the uh, the land of great, the fourth meditative stabilization uh, explanation is explaining more of Mahamati's uh, formless realm explanation because it's the fourth meditative stabilization where the formless realm um, uh, begins. So this is explanation of that. Um, that. It, it, so it's uh, unclear. The English has it this way, and I'm just ex I'm translating it the, uh, in the way that Rinpoche is explaining it. So we'll have to have to look at it further. And I apologize, my skill set. I couldn't just look quickly and, and just translate it that quick. So, um, but Rinpoche said, regardless, all of these are bases which are bases which lack leisure. Um, no matter which one we are uh, saying, uh, the long life deity is referring to. Uh, Rinpoche said, Jingu. Yeah. Mm. This, the, the uh, so we have a, uh, some things to give out, like some cookies or uh, fruit. Uh, we're going to take a short break while we change. So here in the text we find uh, um, a couple of different assertions as to what a, a deity of long life is referring to. Uh, so, uh, there's an assertion by Mahamati that it is uh, one who lives in the formless realm, uh, and then also assertions by um, here it says Ashvagosha and Basubandhu. Um, uh, Rimche is saying that both uh, the both are assert uh, that desire realm um, deities are those which the long life deities are referring to, uh, and then it speaks about the more fourth meditative stabilization, which would be considered a formless realm deity. Um, so, uh, in any event, um, depending on uh, um, how, how it is read, uh, the way it's read in the English, or if it's read uh, just with the explanation that we're given, all of these states that we're speaking of are leisureless states, uh, whether they are deities of uh, um, the form, um, uh, desire realm deities or formless realm deities, um, all of these are examples of uh, um, leisureless states. Tashi 
so then it uh, Lama Tsongkhapa goes on to say that uh, if a being is a formless realm being, it does not necessarily mean that they are uh, in a state of uh, that is leisureless, uh, because there are noble beings, there are papas or aryas uh, that are dwelling in the formless realm uh, that are not in leisureless states. Um, so if one is in a uh, formless realm, he or she is not necessarily in a leisureless state. So here it says. Um, finally, uh, it is incorrect to say that a noble being, here noble being is Arya, who exists in the formless realm is in a condition that lacks leisure. Therefore, we say that ordinary beings who are born in the formless realms are in a condition that lack leisure because they do not have the opportunity, opportunity to achieve the path to liberation. The same can be uh, also be said for being reborn as a deity of the desire realm who is constantly distracted by sensual pleasures. So here, Lama Tsongkhapa is stating that um, we can't say that an Arya being who is dwelling in either formless realm or the desire realm is in a state which lacks leisure because those are basises of leisure. Um, so it's not uh, if it is um, formless or desire, uh, um, if it is a formless realm or desire realm being, uh, it is necessarily um, a leisureless state. Um, so we say that that's not the case. Um, and then if you were to say posit uh, that which is a leisure state of leisure but uh, um, among a formless realm or a uh, desire realm uh, um, being, we would say a superior formless realm or desire realm uh, uh, being, or an aria. <laughs> ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、
So here, um, a state that lacks leisure is a state from which one cannot practice the Dharma. Um, so it is leisureless if it is a basis from which uh, religious practice or Dharma practice is not possible. Uh, so uh, if one has this basis of leisure, um, there needs to be the cooperative conditions uh, that allow uh, for the um, 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 for that allow one to uh, take advantage of the life of leisure. Uh, so there have to be uh, the opportunities, and there are ten opportunities that serve as conditions uh, for <coughs> one's ability to utilize this uh, basis of leisure. Uh, and there are five opportunities that are internal opportunities and there are five external um, opportunities. So here it says the five aspects of opportunity that pertain uh, to yourself. Um, so if one looks at uh, a rice seed, that rice seed has the potential to produce a rice sprout unquestionably. But there must be the cooperative conditions of the earth, the water, the sunlight, and so forth present in order for that seed to grow. Likewise, if one has this basis of leisure, there also has to be, there also have to be the conditions from which one can uh, actually engage in these practices. So, here there are five that pertain to oneself, or uh, five uh, um, um, uh, internal, uh, if you will, uh, opportunities. And first, it says uh, being human. So the human basis is uh, uh, the first internal opportunity. The second is being born in a central region. Uh, sometimes this is translated being born in a religious uh, region. Um, so it can be translated in two ways. 
um, but central or religious region. Uh, next, having complete sensory faculties, <coughs> referring to uh, not having incomplete, as before we discussed, the incomplete faculties, sense faculties. Uh, here it's saying that they're all complete, uh, so this is a, an opportunity, uh, a condition uh, that is under the category of opportunity. Um, and then the next is uh, having reversible karma. Um, here this is uh, referring to the um, condition which is a freedom from irreversible karma, or uh, um, um, sometimes called uh, uh, heinous karma. Uh, so uh, one is free of that. And then having faith in the source. And here the source <coughs> is referring to uh, the teachings, the practices, the three highest higher trainings, the four noble truths, the actual source. Uh, so faith in that source uh, is the fifth uh, um, condition. Uh, so uh, these are the five uh, internal uh, conditions or five um, uh, opportunities that pertain to oneself. Uh, and then the next are the five external um, uh, conditions that are called opportunities. ก็จะบ่มันอยู่ซะจิวะตะละยืยยืยซะจิวะจังเลยเอ๊ะดาวมาปะทองเนี่ยแลกุสุมาซุงชิงเนี่ยละตะเนี่ยละมินมินะบ
not done or caused others to commit the five deeds of immediate retribution. So any of the five heinous crimes one hasn't done oneself, uh, killing one's mother, father, uh, uh, drawing, uh, uh, killing one's mother, father, or uh, an arhat drawing blood from a Buddha or dividing the sangha. So one hasn't uh, engaged in any of those five heinous activities or encouraged others to engage in them. And then it says, uh, faith in the source means that you have faith and discipline, which is the root from which all mundane and super-mundane virtues arise. So here means that one has faith in discipline, discipline referring to the Vinaya. But here, within this, implicitly, it's speaking of all three baskets. So it says, um, which is, uh, is the root from which all mundane and super-mundane virtues arise. Here, discipline <coughs> refers to all three scriptural collections. So here, uh, discipline which uh, could also be, re uh, is referring to the Vinaya basket, <coughs> but it's also referring to the other two <coughs> baskets implicitly as well um, by mentioning the uh, ethical discipline, the, uh, um, so the Vinaya basket, the Abhidharma basket, and the uh, Sutra basket. So the, these are the three baskets. Uh, so faith in the source here is faith in the three baskets of explanation. Uh, um, so that's what is meant by that line. So these are the five uh, opportunities that pertain to oneself, or five internal opportunities. So here it says these are five are called aspects of opportunity that pertain to yourself because they are included in your mind stream and are favorable conditions for practicing the teaching. So these are the conditions that allow oneself to engage in the practice of the teaching. So uh, um, these are referring to one's internal abilities, uh, one's uh, mind stream, uh, and so forth, that allow the practice to take place. Uh, so these are internal conditions because they are uh, that which allow one to... Um, uh, the, allow the basis that one is uh, currently in to practice. Next to the external, or pertain to others, it's translated Okay. Uh, so uh, here again, the uh, Shijing. Uh, so this is a quote from uh, Nagarjuna's friendly letter, a letter to a friend, probably, she said. Um, and it says that a Buddha has visited. So these are the five aspects that pertain to oneself or internal uh, opportunities. That a Buddha has visited, the sublime teaching is being taught, that the teaching remains, that there are those who follow it, and, and there are there is caring for others. So here, 
uh, Buddha has visited means that there uh, has been a Buddha that has given pronouncements. There is a Buddha has visited the place. Uh, sublime teaching is being taught, so any among the vehicles of exp uh, pronouncement, the uh, hearer, solitary realizer, or bodhisattva vehicles are being taught, uh, and that the teaching remains, uh, is that the teaching actually of those vehicles exists. Um, so not, uh, uh, um, so you could go the other order too, um, but so that the teaching remains, that there are those who follow it, uh, so those, there are those practitioners who follow the teachings, and then those who care for others is referring to supporters of the teaching, those benefactors who make it possible for the teaching to uh, occur. Um, so these are the five external conditions that are necessary, uh, and they are called the five external opportunities. So now uh, Lama Tsongkhapa will give an explanation and begins with the Buddha has visited. So the first, the Buddha has visited, it says among these, that a Buddha has visited or is appearing means that a, uh, so here it's going to qualify what a Buddha is. Uh, so it says, it means that a bodhisattva has accumulated the collections of merit and sublime wisdom for three countless eons and has reached the heart of enlightenment, become a perfect Buddha. So first, uh, after generating the mind that aspires to enlightenment, uh, Buddha, in, uh, as a bodhisattva, engaged in uh, uh, accumulating merit for three countless eons. So uh, a Buddha, had, uh, here it says the Buddha has visited, it means that this type of being has visited, a being who has uh, gone through uh, all of these stages of the Bodhisattva's path and has realized uh, perfect Buddhahood. So uh, it's just qualifying uh, what a Buddha is and, and what a Buddha... Uh, so who has to visit in, in order for this condition to be present? <laughs> ちょっと、ちょっと、さんさで出したら、まあ、なんかさんじゅうとたまじまるが。うん。しだまんどてばにげ、あの、どじでんさんさで出ばいいです。うん。ちょっと出ちゃうかもしれないけど、どじでんの
enlightenment, that the enlightenment took place. Uh, so when we speak of the place of enlightenment, we could be speaking of uh, an, uh, 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 that uh, as in the historical story uh, believed by the Vobashka School, Great Exposition School, and the Sutra School, um, uh, or a uh, place of enlightenment such as the emanation body uh, and the enjoyment body. And according to the mind-only school and the uh, Madhyamaka school or the middle way school, uh, the Buddha had already um, uh, achieved the state of enlightenment uh, in previous lives and that the uh, uh, um, enlightenment was just a, a, a facsimile of enlightenment that was shown in Bodhagaya uh, and that the Buddhahood, that Buddha had, uh, had already achieved his uh, realization in many lifetimes before and that this was just an, uh, like a, a naming, Rinpoche uh, Mingadot, like a, a nominal designation named as uh, enlightenment but was actually enlightened uh, prior to uh, that experience. Um, so there's differences in opinions depending on the tenet systems. The lower schools believing that the actual enlightenment took place in Bodhagaya at that time, and that was the place of enlightenment. And then other schools saying that this was an emanation of uh, the Buddha who was already enlightenment, uh, enlightened, uh, uh, showing uh, enlightenment. Uh, so uh, it's showing uh, an actual physical enlightenment through the emanation uh, through an emanation. <laughs> Okay, so here it says the sublime, the next is that the sublime uh, teaching is being taught. Uh, and here it says means that the Buddha or the disciples of the Buddha are uh, uh, imparting the teaching. So the Buddha is directly uh, imparting the teaching, or uh, the Mugiputra. Okay. So here these are referring to the direct the disciples of Lord Buddha giving the teachings such as Shariputra, Mogiputra, uh, uh, and so forth. So here where it says, um, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Buddha or the disciples of the Buddha, it means the, um, the Buddha is given the teaching or the direct disciples of the Buddha giving the teaching. Uh, so this is speaking from a lineage perspective, the Buddha or a lineage among in, uh, from the Buddha. That temba nantans, 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 temba nantans,
So Benin says uh, that the teaching remains means that it is not degenerating between the time of someone becoming a Buddha uh, and giving the teaching until this Buddha passes into final nirvana. So that uh, that there is no degeneration of the teaching itself uh, um, of the. Uh, um, God, Temba so here, the, the Buddha's teaching itself uh, can be divided into two categories, the scriptural uh, doctrine or scriptural teachings and the realizational uh, doctrine of the teachings. The scriptural teachings would be referring to the three turnings of the wheel of Dharma, uh, that the Buddha gave, the first turning of the wheel of Dharma, the second turning of the wheel of Dharma, and the third turning of the wheel of Dharma. So these would be the scriptural doctrines. And then the realizational doctrines would be referring to the, the three highest higher trainings, or the realization of the three highest higher trainings. Uh, so here, that the, uh, uh, it says uh, the sublime teaching, um, the teaching remains, means that it is not degenerating between the time of someone becoming a Buddha and giving the teaching until this Buddha passes into final nirvana. So it's the teachings of the actual Buddha, not that has become a Buddha, that being that has become a Buddha, not degenerating, uh, and, and making sure that those scriptural and realizational doctrines themselves have not degenerated. So here, teaching remains is referring to that remaining, that truth remaining, Demba, that truth remaining. The <laughs> So it says, um, furthermore, this phrase refers to the teaching at the time its followers achieve it by knowing the ultimate sublime teachings. Um, that there are those who follow this teaching means that there are some who understand uh, that beings teaching, uh, some who understand that beings have the capacity to perceive the sublime teachings. They understand this 
through the very knowledge of the ultimate sublime teachings mentioned above. Uh, the, these individuals then follow the teaching while teaching others according to their knowledge. Uh, so here, um, those who follow it are referring to those fully ordained monks and nuns and, and householders, practitioners who have realized, have achieved realizations, have achieved the state uh, of foe-destroyer, foe uh, um, uh, who have achieved the state of uh, bodhisattva. Uh, um, so during uh, the turnings of the wheel, during the teachings, there are various uh, um, practitioners who achieve various uh, realizations, some foe-destroyers, some uh, uh, bodhisattvas. Uh, the state of bodhisattva. So, uh, whatever it, it, whichever level it, it may be, it refers to those followers of the teachings being present. So that there are those who practice the teachings, uh, the pure teachings, as they have been passed down in a correct fashion. Um, so here, uh, that's uh, what this next line is referring to. Those who follow it, referring to those practitioners who follow uh, the teachings uh, based on. Uh, the, um, um, it's almost the, based on faith in uh, the, the potential for these realizations. So the belief in this potential. Uh, those who follow it are the, those believers. Uh, believers might be a kind of maybe a better way to even translate it. Those believers. So the next uh, says that they are, is caring for others is referring to uh, those who are benefactors, who are give um, material things, who give food, give drink, uh, those who, who uh, can care uh, uh, for uh, others who propagate these teachings. So these are the these five, the NGK, the Jenda Logo. Okay, so then it says these. Uh, I just uh, I'm going to read that the, that there is caring for others refers to benefactors and those who actually carry out acts of charity by giving religious robes and the like. Since these uh, five conditions exist in the minds of others and are favorable conditions for the practice of the teachings, they are called aspect of opportunity that pertain to others. So these five, these are the five uh, that are the um, five aspects of uh, opportunity that are external or pertain uh, to others. External opportunity. <laughs> So the reason that these are called uh, um, opportunities is because they are um, uh, opportunities, and in this case external opportunities, that serve as conditions for one's ability to utilize uh, the basis of leisure and engage in the practice of uh, Dharma. So uh, these are the conditions, uh, and here it says the Buddha has visited, the sublime teaching is being taught, the teaching remains, there are those who follow it, and there is caring for others. So these external conditions serve to allow one to utilize his or her basis of leisure and practice or engage in Dharma. <laughs> So 
So here it says the first four aspects of opportunity that pertain to others as presented here from the Shravaka levels are at present incomplete for us. However, it is suitable to consider an approximation of these three, uh, uh, of, an approximation of three of these four. The sublime teaching being taught, the teachings given remaining, and there are uh, there being followers of the teaching that uh, abide to be complete for us. So we can have a facsimile of it, uh, or uh, it says uh, suitable uh, to consider an approximation of three of these four. What the Jenju is the Jenju is about the Jenju Munatan, Trashitan, to what you was. A Jenju Munatu, Jenju Matu, Sanji Shutan, Tanju, Tambadna, Tejinu, Jenshi Jinatu, Tengatan, Lishi Javatale, Munatamadabe, and Tengabu de Jenju in Jusen Kadaris. Jenju la Yuji, Susu Chudu, Tujin Yinza, Yimbe, and the Jenju service, Dashi. So uh, here these are external conditions uh, because they are these external conditions. They are called external opportunities because they are conditions that are external that are allow us to engage in uh, the practices of Dharma. Um, so therefore they are called um, opportunities, um, and these are external opportunities that are conditions. Um, and even though we can't say that we have the exact conditions at present, where the Buddha has visited, uh, the Buddha uh, has visited and sublime teaching is being taught, uh, the teaching remains and that there are those who follow it and there is caring for others, even though we don't have exactly those things. We have uh, uh, that which is similar or a facsimile to those things, uh, and therefore we can say that they are uh, um, almost complete for us in, in a way, in a similar way. So now we're at the second uh, um, complete contemplating the great importance of leisure and opportunity, and then after that is the uh, difficulty of obtaining leisure and opportunity. Tabi 
So it says contemplating the great importance of leisure and opportunity. Um, here it's speaking of uh, um, uh, looking at how uh, the importance of this leisure and opportunity and utilizing it until death. And we can see that even animals strive until their death to achieve the state of happiness. And if we look at happiness in the terms of uh, a temporary and ultimate happiness, we can look at the happiness that's achieved by engaging in the stages of the path that lead to the higher realms, and the stages of the path that lead to liberation or nirvana, and then the stages of the path that lead to the happiness of complete Buddhahood. Um, so here, uh, animals do, do this. Uh, they strive for happiness until they die. And here, uh, we can leave within our mental continuum all of these imprints or predispositions, imprints of the stages of the path that lead to the higher realms, to nirvana, and to complete Buddhahood. So we should strive uh, um, um, to, uh, to accumulate these things and recognize the great importance of this life of leisure and opportunity. ラバラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセンドはラセ
uh, can't really do anything, and they're able to um, feed them through uh, um, and, and do all of these clever things to take care of their young. Uh, so we see uh, examples here of animals uh, um, trying to uh, strive for happiness and, and going through it in clever ways. Mm-hmm. So just as an animal uh, strives to uh, have happiness in clever ways at all times, we also strive for happiness. And the way that we can achieve this ha- uh, happiness uh, is through uh, engaging in the stages of the path that lead to the various forms of happiness. Happiness such as the happiness of the higher realms, uh, um, and the, uh, the stages of the path that leads to the happiness of liberation and nirvana, and those stages of the path that lead to the happiness of uh, complete Buddhahood. So here, uh, we are, until the time of death, trying to create imprints within our continuum uh, so that we achieve those forms of happiness in the future. That's not Okay, so we know uh, we are the human is very intelligent and knows, for instance, if a, a, this is a poisonous thing, this is a poisonous snake, uh, and so forth. Whereas animals have no idea, like an eagle that comes down to attack and grab a snake doesn't know. Uh, if it's poisonous or not, uh, has no idea and just eats it anyway. Uh, and whether or not it harms it, I'm not sure. Uh, but they, that doesn't know or isn't able to differentiate in the same way that we can. And then there's an animal, it's like a cat, he said it's small, bigger than a cat, smaller than a leopard, I'm not sure. It's an animal like a cat uh, that eats the poison and then uh, lies down and it almost puts, knocks it out uh, for a while. Uh, it's asleep and then it awakens and rises again. So the poison actually knocks it out. Uh, uh, it's some cat-like animal. I apologize. I don't know which one exactly. So it, what, the poison may or may not kill uh, the animal. They don't know. <laughs> so uh, we'll go over this in the future. Time is finished and we will do the concluding prayers. Shimigan Drabudu. Sorry, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it
Adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon, I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise the Mantavadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, the source of all benefit and happiness, all powerful Avalokiteshvara, may you stay until samsara is end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensuwanda, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the library of philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Thank you.